And to reduce the number of times and the interruptions that would have me coming up, when she reads from verses 1 to 31, I'll then invite Deacon Jason to read from the same 27 from verses 32 to 65. And then Brother Samuel Williams will then read chapter 28 of the book of Matthew. So we'll have a quick flow. It reduces the number of interruptions I come up to give. God bless you. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 to 31. It reads, Early in the morning, all of the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When, Jesus, when Judas had portrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have portrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So, Jesus, um, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this in the treasury, since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. Jesus before Pilate. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked me, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answers. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. When Pilate was sitting on the judge seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in, in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. 
Why? What crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers mocked Jesus. The the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They nailed him in front of him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to be crucified. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. The next reading shall be coming from Matthew chapter 27 from verse 32 to 65. The crucifixion of Jesus. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him. One on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross, if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Verse 45, the death of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's called Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had Jesus, I beg your pardon, they followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Madeline, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Verse 57, the burial of Jesus. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Jesus took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Madeline and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Good morning, church. Um, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 28, from verse 1 to verse 20. Jesus has risen. And after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Madeline and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were afraid of him, and they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, 
Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples took, so you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets out to the governor, we will satisfy you. We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And the story was widely circulated amongst the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Hallelujah. Were you blessed at all by the reading? You know, there is an old saying that says, There is so music in the air. God is everywhere. And the resurrection power is moving in this hour that Jesus might be glorified. That Jesus might be glorified. I don't know whether you understand that. Tell someone there's a music in there. Your song is changing forever. There are many things that we'll see in this scripture. So many things. But I have 30 minutes to deliver all that I will give you today. Over this week we have been looking at God's redemption plan. Now we gathered for one, two, three. Three nights looking at God's redemption plan. One of the things that we, we all agreed together from the written word is that a lot of Christians on earth do not have knowledge of it. The second thing that we recognize together was that there are many books written by Christian priests, ministers, about what God said he had finished. And those books were not written in line with what God has said, but on the contrary, they recommended to people that really that work is not finished and people need to do some prayer so that that work can be accomplished. I will recognize together also that um, the only killer of Christians is not, you know, the killer of Christians is not Satan, is not demons, 
but it is ignorance. For the Bible says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. So, we are focused so much on three major things that the cross accomplished. But this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the resurrection power. Now, if we look at, first of all, a preamble of what we read in the, in the week. First, no, Colossians, number one. Colossians, chapter 2, verse 13 and verse 14. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He, for, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it on the cross. Now we recognize from this scripture that the cross of Calvary stands for forgiveness of sins. You believe that? Say amen. amen. And the sin he's talking about here is the sin of Abraham that led to death of mankind. Alright? But also it atones for any error made by anyone who had accepted Jesus Christ. I did a lot of exposition about this. And if you look at the book of Romans, it tells us very clearly from chapter 5 to chapter 8, that if by the sin of one man we all sinned, Adam sinned and sin became, you know, you know um, every man became a victim of sin. So also, by the, resu- by the uh, righteousness of one man, all can be made righteous. And that validates the reason why Jesus is the only way to God. But if you look at the air, the Bible says that when we were dead in our sins, that before we were born again, in the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. All our sins. Both sins we committed beforehand, sins our forefathers committed. He forgave us all our own sins. Which puts an end to the influence of the sins of our forefathers over us. Having cancelled the written code, all covenants that our forefathers have made with Satan, the cross of Calvary cancelled it. Alright? And all his regulations, that is all the demand of the devil over our family. Let me help you understand. Whether in your family they have a particular sickness, they have a particular disease, Jesus cancelled it. They pay the price. Okay? Whether they have covenanted with some devils, some demons, some deities, once you are born again, you are disconnected from that covenant because the cross of Calvary put an end to it. Alright? Then he says, everything, every regulation that stands that was against us or that stood opposed to us, Jesus took it away, kneeling them on the cross. This is the reason why once a person gives his life to Jesus, you have become the righteousness of God. God remembered your sins no more because Jesus paid the price on the cross. Second thing that the cross of Calvary did to us, Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, we looked at that too detail. And having disarmed the powers and authorities or principalities and powers, he made a public show or spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So second thing that we saw is that Jesus Christ disarmed Satan. 
Alright? He disarmed demons. But this is when the devil or the powers of Satan is directed to anyone born again. Anyone who is not born again will recognize that they are under the control of Lucifer. Ephesians chapter, chapter uh, uh, 2 from verse 1 to verse 3 tells you that. But those of us who have given our life to Jesus, if anybody have accepted Jesus Christ, according to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, which says, If a man therefore be in Christ Jesus, is a new creation, all things are passed away, all things have become new. So, for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Bible tells me here that when Satan directs any weapon or demons or powers of hell, either man or spirit, when they direct any weapon towards a Christian, that weapon does not work. It cannot work. It is impossible for it to work. I believe that it is the determination of the end of such weapon. Because the Bible tells us here that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of, of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So the cross of Calvary forgave our sins and canceled every covenant of old, either we made or our parents made or our forefathers made. The cross of Calvary nullified and brought it to nothing. The cross of Calvary therefore forgave us all our sins and also disarmed the powers of hell whenever it's directed to us. The third thing, which has been a very, very, um, I would say that um, it is a, an aspect that a lot of Christians don't understand. Um, in the book of Galatians 3, it says in 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hung on the tree. So, if Jesus redeemed us from sin, and because of that we become the righteousness of God, and we don't need to pray concerning that, once you accept Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. If Jesus, by the cross, disarmed principalities and power, principalities and power, and you and I can take authority over evil spirits, where we command them, they obey. Where we bind them, they are bound. If we lose a man that they have afflicted, that man is loose. How could believers not understand that this scripture even went further than that? It says, Jesus became a curse on our behalf. Now, Jesus redeemed us also from the curse that came from the law. So, when you read the Old Testament in the book of Moses, and all the books of Moses, that is from um, um, uh, Exodus to uh, uh, end of Moses, Deuteronomy. Everything that, everywhere that the Bible pronounced curse, I showed you in the week that those curses are not for us. Because in chapter 30, even God said, these curses shall be for your enemies. So why have we been having the doctrine of breaking of curses in the church of God? When you do not have the doctrine of disarming demons. And people are having the doctrine of, 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 of demons and telling people who are free that they are not free. And that they have to pray a particular type of prayer for them to earn their freedom, which Jesus paid with his life for. That doctrine is from the pit of hell. Totally from the pit of hell. If you are not here or you haven't listened to this message before, you may listen to the previous message or go to our website and Google about the mess this message, you know, the 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 
power of the cross I did, and also God's redemption plan. I used my life to express to you that if Satan couldn't curse me, or I'm not under generational curses, which, you know, some have alluded that Christians are on, and if no one conducted deliverance for me, or for my father, who was a Satanist, or my mother, who was also a voodoo woman. And when they accepted Jesus Christ, nobody conducted deliverance for them, and they they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were used by God in prophetic office all their life until they died. And I came out of the womb as the first seed. Now, if I do not need redemption of man, why should you, whose parents have not done such evil like my parents, why should you need such redemption? Let me help you understand something. If anyone hears my voice and all this scripture I'm reading, and you still believe that you need deliverance, it's because you have not sincerely accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have an opportunity to choose. Are we together now? If you choose life, God says you and your children shall live. Look at that in the book of um, um, Lipticus, uh, Deuteronomy 31. If you choose life, God says you and your children shall live. Therefore, I want to say to you, what Jesus has accomplished, you don't need to pray for it. You only need to have faith that he had done it and you will operate in it. Alright? Now, before we move away from there and look at the scriptures we read today, why would Jesus become a curse for us? Why would he deliver us from the curse of the law? Why would Jesus pay with his life for generational curses so that he does not, he does not have any credence over those who are born again? Verse 14 of Galatians 3 tells you, He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. He, you know, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit, not by fasting, not by deliverance, not by breaking of curses like some say. You know, I speak about this again here today because there are some of you who probably were not here during the week that we are doing the seminar. You need to go back and check it. And some people may be hearing me across the globe right now who have never read the scriptures or who have been lied to all their lives. I see Christians fast and pray over nothing. That is the reason why for such Christians nothing happened to them. They will live on earth as no Christians. They will never encounter the power of God. They will never encounter heaven. They will never encounter the benefits and the grace that God has given. And you understand clearly here, the Bible says to receive the promise, faith is what you need. Faith in who? In Christ. John 14, 12. If you have faith in me, Jesus said, you will do the works I have been doing. Not only for clergymen, for everybody who have faith in Jesus. And Jesus says, greater works shall you do. Therefore, we recognize that Galatians 5, 1, therefore, is very, very true. Let's read it together. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. If you look at that scripture, it says that it is for freedom that Jesus said, who free? Come on now, who is set free? I cannot hear you. Who is set free? I can't hear you. Who is set free? 
Now, this is Paul speaking. It is the, the purpose for which God sets you free. It's for freedom. But then he, he, he sounded a note of warning. He said, do not let yourself be burdened. How can a Christian be burdened by yoke of slavery? It's by somebody coming to you to tell you that, look, you know what the Bible says, we understand. But you need something else. Are we together now? Someone says, I don't, the Bible says that your, the, your, your sins are forgiven, but your forefather's sins is after you. That's the devil. That is bringing you under yoke, yoke of slavery. Anyone who believes those things will never be free. No matter how gymnastic the prayer they pray over you, no matter how much you mutilate your body or starve your body with fasting, it, you will never get the result. That's the reason why people who are, who are born again after they, they claim they have given their life to Jesus and they recommend to them deliverance, deliverance, their life is always in a mess until they die. I will together now. You will know the truth. I cannot hear you. Say it louder. The truth you know shall set you free. Look at the book of John chapter 8 verse 30. Shall we read it together please? Excuse me. You don't, write, you don't read the word of the living God like that. You read the word of life with life. Shall we read the scriptures together please? The next verse says, Say it again. Let's look at the Jews. To the Jews, yes. Uh huh. So if anybody teaches you, that you have curses of your forefathers to deal with. Haven't the Bible tell you clearly that that has been dealt with by the death of Christ? Then you are not Jesus' disciple. No wonder you don't have the manifestation of the promise. Because this scripture says, when the Jews, so the Jews who believed in him, because the Jews have all these curses of the Old Testament, they have all the laws of the Old Testament. That's the reason why Jesus had to tell those Jews. Like some of us believe we are born in the church. We are Christian from birth. Can you imagine somebody say I was born again from birth? It means he does not understand salvation. Because for a man to be born again, you may be born in church. That does not give you salvation. Okay? If a man believes in his heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says then he shall be saved. He said, because it's with your heart you believe and you are justified, with your mouth you speak, and you are with, your mouth, you are, uh, you are with your heart you believe, and you are, you are uh, 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 justified, with your mouth you confess and you are free. Okay? Justification comes from belief. Salvation comes from confession. And this scripture tells us, therefore, if anybody believes any teaching that is different from what Jesus said, you are not his disciple. He says, he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really, I love the word really. That's the word that qualifies the sentence. You are really, which means there are some who are not really, but they flock with us. 
The only way we can know those who are really disciples of Christ is by is the people who truly believe what Jesus said, who read what Jesus said. And if anybody comes and say that I am a minister of God and his message is different from what Jesus said, you cannot believe it because of him. You cannot be held bound. You cannot yoke yourself with slave with yoke of slavery any longer. The authority of your life is not the man of God. It is the word of the living God spoken by Jesus himself. And any man of God so called who does not speak in affirmation of what Jesus has said, let him be accursed. He is not a man of God. He is a man that brings people to slavery. And of course, if anyone can be instrumental to lead you into slavery, that person already is a chief, is a chief among the slaves. Do you get what I'm saying? A blind shall lead the blind, Jesus said. What did he say? We end up? They both fall in the pits. So anybody who believes anything different from what Jesus has said, that person surely is a blind person. Look at what he now followed, what he said after this. The verse 32. Shall we read it together? You will know the truth. From what? From the teachings of Jesus. Put the two on the, on the screen, please. Let's see it. The relatives of it. 31, 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, which is the principle, you are really my disciple. Then, which is the result of holding on his teaching, you will know the truth. Anytime you deviate or digress from the teachings of Jesus, anytime you could not measure the truth by what Jesus taught, you are in error. Are we together? Do you agree with me? Say amen. So, Jesus has said this. If you hear any teaching from a minister, from a pastor, even if he, if he speaks and people are, all of you, if I speak now, all of you fall. Even on your seats. You know, you are sitting down and you begin to slide down gradually in a slow motion. Because I was so anointed to make you fall. If I say something different from what Jesus said, the Bible says you should reject it. For your own life's sake. If you do not reject it, you are the one who will go into slavery. Not the word. I will together now. That's what the Bible says. And you can, if you die like that, certainly you cannot see Jesus. Because you did not follow him. You have some men you follow, not Christ. So let everybody hear it very clearly. This is what Jesus said. Now let me give you some just very brief bullets in the next 15 minutes. About the resurrection power. When we are reading the, the resurrection power, it was amazing to hear Pastor Tyler say at the beginning that you will hear some things that you have never taken notice of. Did you not hear they called Barnabas Jesus Barnabas? He was a Jesus, but he was not the Messiah. The distinction between all Jesuses in his time, because the word Jesus was a common name in Israel. Those of us who went on the street, you remember that the upper room, we went to the upper room where Jesus was said to, to have the last dinner with his, um, uh, last supper with his disciples. That building, they still preserve it today. We saw it. Now let me help you know this, therefore. There are so many Jesuses, but the difference between our own Jesus and all these Jesuses, one of them is the Barabbas, the thief. You still have them today. The difference between them and our Jesus is that our Jesus is the Messiah and the truth. All other ones who present themselves to be Jesus, they are either a thief, a warmonger, or whatever they are. Till today. I told you to read about the last days of Jesus Christ. You remember that in Matthew 24, Jesus was talking about the signs of the end. And he says that in the time 
when after he had died and resurrected and gone to heaven, he says, the, where, how would you know when it is near for me to come back? He says, many will come in my name and they will mislead many. If you have been in the church of God from the 60s or 70s, you will, you will, you will, you will agree with me that the present church of God is not the church that we used to know in the 60s and 70s. This present church of God has been so much infiltrated by falsehood. And those people who preach the false doctrine are the most celebrated. Crowd go there. They do not look for the truth. So that the word of Paul in Timothy will be fulfilled. That in the last days, people will gather around themselves. Men who will teach them what their itching ears want to hear. They will follow them. They will come and say, the Lord has called me. And you see them here, another ministry. You see them there, another church. And they will say, the Lord has called me. They could perform some gimmicks. You may call miracle, but none of them encounter Jesus. That's the decision. No one of them can tell you who Jesus looks like. One of the markings of those he called today is that he appeared unto me also. None of them have encounters of heaven. Angels is a taboo. They only read it in the Bible. And their character is totally contrary to the truth. Imagine ministers who divorce their wives and marry another woman and people follow. I question whether those people have eyes. When God said, I hate divorce, says the Lord. And they try to justify it. Well, somebody who should preach the word and lead others must be a living example. That is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7. But if you look at your, your time today, you know, a lot of people have come in because they want to identify with the world. And you cannot even tell the difference between a Christian church and a club. Because all the crazy things in the club are now introduced into churches. And the churches are behaving, they are revealing and behaving like people in the world thinking they will appeal to the world. No, Jesus came to make a difference. He came to set a standard. He did not come to compromise with the Jews and with the Pharisees and Sadducees to look for crowd. He, he wasn't in, involved in that. He came to reveal the kingdom of God on earth, which is totally different to every manifestation upon the earth. The character of the kingdom is different. The behavior of the kingdom is different. The regulations for the kingdom is different. And everyone who comes into the kingdom can never be like when they, what they used to be. Impossible. For the Bible says, if a man therefore is in Christ Jesus, he's a new species, a new creation. All things are passed away. Old things. All old things. Everything, he says, behold, they have become new. We should dictate what culture is, not the world. We should dictate what the government is, not the world. Christians or not. But it depends on those who follow. So you find out that what Jesus said that in the last days many will rise up in his name and they are forced so many in this time. Which means the coming of the Lord is very close. He said many other things that will happen which you have heard. Wars, rumors of wars and stuff like that. But listen to me. He ended up by saying only those who stand firm to the end will be saved. Today. What is resurrection? And what has it got to do with you? Did the resurrection end when Jesus resurrected? Or does the resurrection continue till today? I want to show you a few scriptures. You write this down and then we are going to pray. Resurrection power. 
Are you getting information at all? I cannot hear you, church. Good. You know, something that baffles me when Jesus was being read while he was going to the cross was a part of Christ that is similar to your life if you're a faithful Christian. Okay? And I want you to see how, what it is and how you handle it before I help you see the resurrection power. Look at Matthew 27 verse 39. It says, those who pass by hurl insult at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. How many times have you been confronted by people when you are going through your trial? That if you are truly a Christian, why should this happen to you? Is there somebody with me? Because to those who are naive, who are not born again, they don't understand what tries. Your period of trial is a period that God allows you alone and watches you. Because he has equipped you for the trial. And God expects you to use your faith and the knowledge of your word as you, 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 you navigate through your trial. But you must know this. Everything that has a beginning has an end, except the living one and those who believe in him. Let me help you know this. People were saying to Jesus that if you are truly what you claim, if truly you are a Christian, how can all this bad stuff happen? To them it's bad. They didn't understand that trial is a ladder of promotion. Look at verse 41. It says, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. Look at what he said, verse 2. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. Have you heard that spoken to you before? He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we, we will believe in him. How many people have been saying to you that, let Jesus do this now, then I'll believe in him, or not today? He would do nothing. Did Jesus respond to them? No. He had them. He never responded. Look, let me say something to you. If you preach the gospel to anyone, and the person says to me, prove your God now, and I will accept him. Tell him that my God does not need to be proved, because he has proved himself already by resurrection. Don't get yourself into the, into the, into the atmosphere of argument with people. No. Jesus didn't say you should convert them. He said you should tell them. It is only Holy Spirit that converts man. So when you are going on evangelism or you are in the street and you are telling them about the love of God, and some people rise up and begin to ask some straight questions, don't try to answer their question. When they ask you questions, read the scripture back to them. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. I'm only helping you to know that there is somebody who died for you who truly loves you. Oh, why did this happen? Why did this happen? You tell the person that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Don't, you, you, let me say this to you. I've been teaching you about how to navigate, you know, high impact leadership. How to navigate through complexity, okay? Contextual complexity. And I said two things you need. Confidence and resilience. Okay? Someone asks you a question to try to Intimidate you, validate you. Let him finish asking the question. Repeat what you said last. Thank God for Theresa May. Watch her. 
You see anything about anything? She will tell you that the people voted leave. And I'm working towards that. And that ends up all queries. It frustrates people who are naive, but who are looking for something to try to intimidate you. It frustrates them. That is confidence and resilience. Whenever the devil makes people ask questions like that, it's to, to deviate you from the course which you are committing to them. Okay? So, let them say what they want to ask. Let them finish what they want to finish. But go back to what you just said. For God so loved the world. God loves you. That's what I'm telling you. You know, any one of them who will be saved will be convicted. The one who will not be saved, they get away with this, your God. Because you did not engage in vain arguments. Satan hates it. It is a wisdom for you. You can preach to anybody if you understand this. However, you will go through situations like that. They said, save yourself. Then verse 43 says, they said, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heard insult. But Jesus didn't speak. Until one of the robbers said, Jesus, remember me when you get to your kingdom. Isn't it? And what did Jesus say? He replied that one. Because that is in line with the truth. Whosoever recognizes him will be saved. He doesn't talk to people who accuse, you know, ignorantly. Or people who question him foolishly. Jesus doesn't, you know, respond to foolish questions. You understand what I'm saying to you? Confidence and resilience navigate through complexities. Practice it. You have a better life. You're not to abuse anybody. But if you introduce something good and people ask all these complex, uh, uh, you know, uh, questions because some of them have read some books written by people and they want to demonstrate their intelligence and knowledge, let them demonstrate it. Go back to what you said initially. It doesn't cause any problem. You have not offended anybody. You have not insulted anybody. Understand. Because your, your position is not argument. Bible tells you, get away from vain arguments. It's to show the truth. That will cop your wasted time in life. And you will be able to now turn those waste time into valuable times for yourself. Doing something that is constructive towards your life. Jesus is all-knowing. He is God in the flesh. I love it. So get that recognized. God did not speak, did God? Did God speak at all here? No. While they were accusing Jesus and mocking him, God kept quiet. Because you know what? Better is the end of the matter, the Bible says, than the beginning of the matter. As far as God is concerned, he had determined to glorify you. And that is where he's waiting for you. Try and you will navigate through it. Insult does not glue on people. Abuse does not change identity or destiny. Any insult has its expiry time. Every insult in England in, in, the, in, the, in the television will soon forget them. Therefore, second thing about resurrection. Death could not hold Jesus captive. I read to you here, don't despair. When people despise you when going through trial. And that is the 27th chapter 
verse 39 to 44. Now, we want to look at death. Death could not hold Jesus captive. Look at Matthew 27, 65 to 66. It says, take a guard. After they, they, they killed him, and they put him in the, in the tomb, they said, take a guard. Pilate answered, go, make the tomb as secured as you know it. What, let me help understand this first. You know, after Jesus died, the, the priests went to Pilate and said, Pilate, this deceiver lied that he will rise up on the third day, isn't it? Therefore, take a guard and seal it. That, is, that, is, that shows you what the devil does about you. Man and devil will do what best in their own knowledge to hinder you and I. Okay? To the best of their knowledge, if the government can put a big stone that should be ruled by several men over it, and then position their federal guard, healthy, merciless soldiers, to stand guard, then they will see how Jesus will resurrect. Understand, they are thinking that the resurrection of Jesus is a consequential of human activity. In other words, they were thinking that the resurrection of Jesus, it is by physical power. So, they have ensured or made sure that no physical authority under heaven can make the resurrection happen. So is the devil. He always thinks that the promises of God for you is limited by man. But you will see, and I'll show you here, the power of the sovereign God is transcendent over every ability of man or spirit or demons. And the power of the living God is the written word of God. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. By him all things were made, and nothing was made apart from the things that were made. And then he said in verse 12, the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, even the glory of the risen Son of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So, Satan will do everything in his power to stop you. But let me say this to you. Whatever happens around you does not determine where you're going. So, he said to them, take the soldiers. Okay? Go and make the tomb as secure as you know. That is the enemies of Jesus. He said, the pilot said that they should go and make it secure. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guards. Can I say something to you? When, I was, when they were reading through this scripture, something came to my mind. They said to, to Pilate, this deceiver said, okay, if really they believed that Jesus was a deceiver, how could they be threatened by what he said? Are we here together? <laughs> they said, this deceiver said he will rise up on the third day. Now you understand how the world has been treating you too now. You can see the pattern of the world, how they behave to believers. If they are not threatened by you, why would they be putting all the conditions they are putting? Once they know you are a Christian in some offices, hell set loose. Everybody starts to try to test you by asking questions that are. I have told you, under human rights acts, you have the right anywhere under heaven to express your belief. 
If anybody asks you, what do you think about this? Alright? And you know they are setting trap for you. Hello? You can say to them that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. No, no, that's not what we are saying. What is your belief about this? Because they are setting trap for you. You said, for God did not send his son to the world that he may condemn the world, but that one may be saved through him. John 3, 17. What do you think about this? Colossians chapter 2. He is the image of the living God. Begin to quote the scriptures to them. Then they will leave you alone. So that they will not have anything to say about you. If they now write a report, any one of you listen to me, if you do that, if anybody in any office in the United Kingdom now writes a report against you as to remove you from office, accusing you, come to me. That is a matter of law. Whoever does that will regret he did that to you. We only need to follow the system of Christ and you will not offend any law. The, the Bible says that they look for everything to catch him, they find nothing. Are we together now? So therefore, haven't they put guards to make sure that he did not resurrect? The next thing is the greatness of the Father. God's sovereign might. When people try to ensure that you don't get where you, got, you need to get to, then that is when God shows up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody, somebody may be listening to me. You are going through terrible times. Let me tell you something. In this meeting today, your God will show up. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. That man may know who you are. Look at when God showed up by the grave. Matthew 20, 28 verse 1. After the Sabbath... At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. This is God showing up now. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down, I love it, from heaven. And going to the tomb, rolled the stone away, my Lord, and sat on it. I always love to read this. Now God is in heaven, only an angel he sent. Of course we know there are two angels there, but one is the one who carried the mandate. When the angel appeared at the tomb, the soldiers were there. Hello, hello, hello. Let me say something in my old language. He says, Ojo akala ni lasheko. Ojo akakon ni konsewe uweje. You didn't hear me. I just spoke in tongues. This is what it is. What I'm saying. There is, how many of you know okra? Okra. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> now, we English and Scots eat okra. Okay? Because okra is English, isn't it? Okay. You know, okra is not harvested like a tuba. It grows... And when you plant okra, okra will grow taller than the planter. And then the best of the okra will be at the tip end. And it will be standing like this saying that I want to see who will pluck me. Alright? So, 
Where the guy who plucks okra is coming, he's plucking all the one near and near and near. When he gets to the very tall one, he bends him down and removes the okra and leaves him alone. So what they say in my dialect, you see, and of course, some of them, some of the okra will become tugged. Okay? That you can't eat them. Now they say that the ones that are bad okra, they decide to become bad, and their planter couldn't stop it. But you see, the one that is tall, when you get to it, you bend the head down and pluck it. Did the Bible not say also similar? No weapon forged against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of those who fear the Lord, and their vindication from me says the Lord. Are we together? Don't worry about situations. If God is on your side, who can be against you? The Bible says the angel came down. I love this record. He rolled away the stone. What were the soldiers doing? Okay? His appearance, verse 3, was like lightning. And his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so much what? Afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Hello, somebody. The guards, who were the hefty guards, armed to teach. When an angel appeared, the Bible says the appearance of the angel paralyzed. Oh my Lord. The Bible says Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public show of them. Triumphing over them by the cross. No power can hinder one who is in Christ Jesus. No power. If you are surrounded by anything and you say, Jesus, the angels are still at work. When they show up, the Bible says, let God arise. What happens to enemies? Shattered. They will be shattered. When the angel landed, the appearance only. Can you imagine? When an angel landed and the angel pointed to the stone, and stone began to roll. By, he didn't throw the stone. Pointed to the stone. The stone rolled away. And the soldiers were seeing stones that six of them could not roll. One angel, he doesn't look muscular. He looks just normal, average height of person. Rolled that stone and then he sat on it. I'll tell you something. Woe to the God who stands. They were shocked to death. They suffered shock in their brain. They did not die. They were on the floor like dead men, the Bible says. They were seeing what is going on, but they were powerless over it. The way your God will rescue you, it transcends human understanding. It doesn't matter what problem that you have put yourself in, or what problem you are going away with, or coming around you. Let me say something to you. The Bible says he sent his word, and he delivered his people. He sent his word, he delivered his people. I love it. So the angel could not, the gas could not stand the angel. And then the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I, I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Your enemy will look for you, he will no more be where they find you. He has what reason, just as he said, Come and see the place where he, he laid. Let me say this to you. 
If the devil thinks that he had limited you somewhere, in a short time he will look for you there, he will find you no more. The power that rose Jesus from there. Come on, before we stop, I, I, I try to help you understand how that power, the might of that power, is not a power the government of any nation can stand against. I was in heaven some time ago when the Lord sent a cherub to me. And when the cherub was coming from the throne of God, it, it, it was like a beam of light. And I was standing, and as the cherub was coming closer to me, it became like a baby with six wings. And I was saying, oh my God, this angel is a very small angel. What a baby angel. And God spoke from the throne and said, don't you call this a baby angel? This angel had the power to take America out of the face of the map. I was shocked. I was shocked. One angel. No wonder. For this angel that carried the power, sovereign power of God, for the angel to, to, to access the atmosphere, there was earthquake. The moment he accessed the atmosphere of man, there was earthquake. Everything must shake. Everything must respond. When the angel stood, every power paralyzed instantly. Alright? And every power had to submit and obey the counsel of God. For God had come down to raise his son from the grave. And so when he, when he pointed to the stone, the stone rolled. Either living or not living thing, everything is under the power of Jesus Christ. He is the one who created both the living and the known. Do you know something? That power lives in you and I. I said that power lives in me. I said that power lives in Alfred. What about you? What about you? Come on now. If that power lives in you, what should you be afraid of? That's what I'm telling you. Does the Bible say so? Look at Ephesians chapter, chapter 1 verse 17. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may what? Know him better. Excuse me now. Anyone listening to me, you must not go to a church because there is miracle there. You must go to a church because you gain wisdom and knowledge to know Jesus better. Hello somebody. <laughs> wow. If you go to a church where it's only one man who performs miracles, and he letters every one of you that you cannot do it, then that is not the church of Jesus Christ, because Jesus said in John 14, 12, he wants you to do what he did. Christians should be very, 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 very much, you know, enlightened. Church is not just a club. It is a training center waiting for your death, where you are trained for your death. So that when you die, you will have achieved everything on earth that God says. And when you die, you go to heaven. But if you go to a place where you are not empowered and equipped on going to heaven, even manifesting God on earth, where they tell you that you cannot do what we do, or what we have done, it's of the devil. It is of the devil. Jesus said, what I do, you can do. And you can do better. Anyone different as a minister is not of God. Look at what he says there. Eyes of your understanding. <clears throat> the heart. Your heart may be enlightened. So that you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of him. 
I pray also that the heart of your honest, of uh, the, your, your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Three things I will read to you here. You need to know the hope to which Jesus called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. There is so much inside you. The church of the living God is supposed to train what God puts inside you so that you also can manifest. If you go to church in and out, you must listen to the teachings. You must apply the teaching. It is a training center for you to manifest everything God has given you for this world. What, what is it about a student who goes to, to, to school and the student never reads his books? What happened on the day of examination? He will fail seriously. Even if he fast, he will fail fast. You don't understand me. That is the place. Fail fast is the place where you see question paper and others are bending their heads. And you take your, your pen, you don't know when it came into your mouth. It became a, mouth, a, a, a microphone on your mouth. And when they say pencils up, you scribble some stuff, you know you are not getting anything. At the same time, too, what happens on the day of graduation, the student who just come to class and go, come to class and go, when others get their gun, they didn't get nothing. Same thing with the church of the living God. If you come to church as a club, on earth, you will not fulfill. You die, I'm sorry, you will not be where others are. Jesus said it. When he told you about the parable of the talents, he said, cast that one who did not use his talent into hell. You read it this week. That will not be you in Jesus' name. So you must, you must know this. There is a hope for your calling as a Christian. Then it says, there are riches that God has placed inside you. And then it says, the, uh, verse 19, and his in, great incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Far above all principalities and powers, above dominion and rulers and authority, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and appointed him the head over everything for the church. Did you read that? Why is Jesus the head of everything? Because of the church. So that you can have the dominion that God gave in the first place in Genesis. We looked at that this week. You are a replica of God once you are born again. Restored back to the original that God created. Do you know what? During this week, I will continue, this month, I will continue on God's redemption plan. But you need to know this. Having gone through that power, and how that angel came down and rolled his stone away. And the Bible says that power is inside you. But it says that for you to be able to understand it, the eyes of your understanding must be enlightened by your knowledge of Christ only. No knowledge of man. Anywhere you go, anybody who preaches, no matter how many crowd that follows him, no matter how big or how influential the name is, check what he says by the word of God. Did Jesus say that? Recognizing that Jesus said his disciples are those who follow him and do what he says. The disciples of Jesus are not people who go to church and then they go somewhere else. They are not people who come to church and say, yeah, preach it, preach it, preach it, because he's talking, you are hearing things that make your tingling ear, your itching ear to tingle. No, it, there are people who 
look at what the preacher is saying, like Berean Christian. Did Jesus teach us that? He did not. Why should we believe it? And you give it back to the sender. When you say return to the sender, you should be returning wrong message to the preacher. So that what you receive is what Jesus taught. Let me help you know this. If you have been struggling in life, therefore, the only answer is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you have been having confusion and chaos, the only solution is to come into Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Knowing fully well, to those who believe in Him, God gives them the power to be called sons of God. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead enters into them. So if this power is in you, what power can stand against you? No power. That's what I've been telling you. No power can stand against you. In this church, we do not preach only, but we do. I have given challenges across the globe again and again. If anybody has a shrine anywhere under heaven, that they are afraid, you don't want it anymore, that is it. Because you believe that they are killing you and destroying maiming you, write a letter to Christ the Tabernacle. I will come there with my members and will remove the shrine from your house. We don't need to fast to remove any shrine. We don't need to pray. Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah 44 verse 9, those who worship idols are nothing and they think the treasure are useless. We will go there, destroy that stuff and get people back into, the, into God's originality. But you must accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You must accept it. Stand up on your feet, please. I want us to pray and, and thank God first. The first thing is this. Thank God for the resurrection power that lives inside you if you are born again. If you have not accepted Jesus, I want you to do that. Okay? Thank God for the resurrection power of Jesus. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. God that does not put to shame... He promised Jesus and he brought it to pass. Thank God for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Thank God that he rescued your soul. As many who believe in God give them the power to be sons of God. I want you now to celebrate the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That angel appeared and the guards were shocked. They were like dead men. Stones was rolled away. Hallelujah forevermore. Lift up your voice and worship God. Celebrate the resurrection power of Christ inside you. In Jesus' anointed name we are praying. I stop because of you. Let me tell you something. As far as I'm concerned, what makes me breathe? What makes me live? What gave me success in everything I put my hands upon? The brain behind my boasting is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Every religious leader mentioned under heaven died and they never resurrected but one everyone who claimed he knows the way to God died buried rotten they never resurrected and none of them could their followers claim that their leader resurrected but Jesus Christ of Nazareth not only that I have found out discovered 
that that power lives in everyone who received Jesus into their heart. I want to give you an opportunity today. Let's close our eyes a few minutes. If there is someone under my voice who has not accepted Jesus, and you want to do that, just say these prayers with me. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me all my sins. I invite you into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, I want you to contact 